Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. My name is Mike Perry, and Brett is not here today. He is not here. We've gotten rid of him. We've kicked him off the podcast, and we found a much better replacement. Um, I am here with my good friend, Evan Marcantonio. Evan, what's up, buddy? Not much. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think the only thing I have on Brett is hair, so... Yes, and you have that on me as well. Uh, And we're not going to talk about hair. We are actually going to talk about sort of Evan's journey, and... um, I've known Evan for, for a long time, and, and uh, we've been friends, and we've been colleagues, and, and we've had a lot, a lot of fun sort of working and training together. But I wanted Evan to tell a story a little bit, because he entered the training world and the fitness industry a little bit later in life. And uh, look, if we know anything about the training industry, it's, it's definitely a young individual's industry where, you know, if you want to quote unquote make it, it's early mornings and late, late nights. But that's a little bit tougher to do when you get a little bit older, and you've got, you know, a family, and you've got children, and... And uh, that's what we're going to talk about. So, uh, so Evan, what was it about uh, about coaching that sort of led you into the to the industry? What was it about wanting to become a coach? Was there an event? Was there an individual? Was there something that you had read that you were like, "Wow, I want to do more of this"? Sort of tell me your story. Um, well, to start off, my wife and I had competed, and she was actively competing in natural physique competitions. And so we were more in the bodybuilding realm of things. And a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jill Klimczewski, who owns the Diet Doc, uh, was in Evansville, Indiana. And I was working in a factory listening to uh, a lot of fitness podcasts. And he asked me one day, how do you feel about changing careers and coming out to Indiana and running my personal training group? At that point in time, I had no personal training certification, but thought... I need to do something that's more positive influence in people's lives and wasting away in the back of a plastics manufacturing facility. So I talked to my wife. We tossed around the idea of potentially moving to Indiana. She stayed in Worcester where we live and I packed up the car and drove out to Indiana and that's where it all began. I think that was back in 2011, 2012. Wow, man. Yeah. So that's, uh, first of all, you know, making the decision to switch careers is one thing, but uh, making the decision to switch into the fitness industry and traveling uh, across the U.S. is, uh, you know, is, is something that not everybody would do. What was it about this opportunity that that made you think, hey, you know what, this is this is something that I could really do? Joe is a really smart guy. He's very honest. And to have someone like him who had already been or become a good friend reach out to me and offer me an opportunity to change careers to something at the point in time I felt like was really meaningful to positively impact people's lives. It was almost a no brainer. Like if I wanted to get out and do something a little bit more meaningful with my life to help others, this was my opportunity and all I could do was fail. So if I did fail, I knew my wife was back home and we could make it work if it didn't work. Yeah. Um, So really she was, I mean, it all comes down, this whole journey revolves around my wife supporting me in every way she could. 
Um, but yeah, that was it. It was just an opportunity to have a more positive impact than I felt like I was currently having. And it was the right time. Everything kind of lined up to go for it. Yeah. And, and look, you know how Evan said it's the right time. Um, you know, it was the right time for him, but there's never an ideal or optimal time because it's not like you can make these decisions and just, you know, see how it goes. There's a lot of decisions that you make that don't only impact you, they impact everybody around you. You know, obviously, you know, your your loved ones and your family, but, um, you know, decisions like that aren't easy to make. And, you know, when we have this conversation, it's like, you know, you, you'd visit a guy packing up his, his, his car and driving across and it's, you know, it, it's a good story, right? But within that story, and, and I don't know every part of it, it's hard. Anytime you, you start fresh and do something new, it's incredibly hard. But at the same time, you know, I think you went into it for the right reasons. And, you know, everything that you have talked about so far is wanting to help, wanting to make an impact. And, and honestly, if you're in the fitness industry and that is your primary reason you want to help and you want to make an impact, if you just lead with that, work really hard, Good things will happen, but look, if you, you know, if you're going to the fitness industry because you want to try to be a millionaire or you want to try to, you know, be the next uh, strength and conditioning coach for the Patriots, for, for the Red Sox, um, there's nothing wrong with that path. But if that's your only reason why is to get your ego stroked and to get yourself some notoriety, um, you know, maybe coaching isn't for you, but it's, it's pretty crazy to, to hear that while you did it and then you know, as you've sort of grown in this industry, um, you've you've taken to some specific modalities in kettlebell training, uh, being one of them. What was it about kettlebell training for you that made you think, hey, this could be something that only not only I would want to learn about, but teach others? Well, the it starts from when I arrived in Indiana. Another friend had given me Mike Boyle's functional training book, and when you're on the bodybuilding side of the industry, and then you read that book you basically run into a brick wall and realize maybe what I'm doing is not the best for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that then led me to asking Joe for more information and he handed me the movement book by Greg Cook. So those two books... You mean the encyclopedia? (laughs) The the encyclopedia (laughs) that no one has ever read front to back? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have, but it was was tough. Yeah, I did read front to back. It's a tough read. I forced myself to, but it, you know, there's mentions of kettlebell work in there. And when I talked to my, well, my wife came out to visit. I'll shorten this up. And we decided Evansville wasn't for us, but I did want to continue to coach. And she had been looking into kettlebell gyms and we started training at a gym and Instantly, one, it's something that I knew was not prevalent in my area in Worcester, and I had never felt better. It was the first time I was introduced to having the FMS performed on me, and for someone who always had tight hamstrings and dealt with low back pain, to be able to actually hinge properly and move better and stop thinking about the physique and more about how I moved and how I felt, my strength from that day forward has gotten stronger ever since. So my attraction to kettlebells was the simplicity of the tool. Um, I was a zealot and I drank all the punch that they delivered (laughs) and I just felt better and got stronger in ways that I never thought I could. And that was the start of this whole journey from there on forward. Yeah, and and look, so, you know, as someone who 
So, you know, at, at, since then, Evan has, and, and we'll, we'll dig into his sort of his business and his journey, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's definitely skill dependent, right? And it is something that takes a little bit of time. But the cool thing about the skill component of kettlebell training is that once you sort of learn it, it is kind of like riding a bike. Um, you know, if you take a lot of time away from it, sure, you're going to have to get back on and practice, but it kind of, it comes back pretty quickly once you nail that skill down. But you're right, it's the simplicity of it and um, the fluidity of the movements when you start to get good at it. And it's fun. And I think that's a big thing. It's fun and it's a little bit different. Think about what you're doing, though, with kettlebell training, you know, for having gone through Strong First Level 1 certification. You have to learn six exercises. Yeah. I got as strong as I had ever been practicing six exercises. Yeah. And that was the selling point for yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, with that being said, for some people, they will do the basics. They will do six exercises for the rest of their lives. And they're okay with that. Look, I mean, simple and sinister, two exercises. Right? Some people will do that for, for the rest of their lives. And that's cool, but some people won't. So... You know, I think one thing to consider when it comes to, you know, digging into whatever the curriculum is, is you're not going to just, you're not going to learn a bunch of flows and you're not going to learn a bunch of various sort of entertaining types of exercises. You're going to learn the basics and within the, you know, you know, obviously strong first curriculum, what they try to do is they try to teach it in a way that you truly understand those mm -hmm. six rather than learning 12 and only knowing a little bit about those 12. So I, I love the fact that it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, a, it's an, inch my, an inch wide and a mile deep. So, so anyway, so you decided, hey, I'm going to learn and you're going to learn how to train with a kettlebell. And then from there, um, it sort of led you on to this journey of, of starting your own business and, and having a couple iterations of that business. Mm -hmm. So where did, you know, once you learned about the kettlebell and you started to train with it, what was it about the kettlebell and, and, and the way that you felt and where was this idea that, hey, maybe I'm going to put together a kettlebell gym? Um, that happened about a year or two later. That thought process started to come into my mind that I just felt like there was an opportunity to really teach people how to move well and get stronger with a simple tool. Yeah. Um, at that point in time, I was subleasing space in one gym, a really small gym in another town where I had three classes of five people show up one after another after another and I had some private clients there I was also went back to that manufacturing job and was working to earn money mm -hmm. while I built up a client business and then I was coaching people out of a gold gym in another town and another gym in Worcester so I had three facilities that I was traveling to throughout the week trying to coach people not just with kettlebells but just to be a better coach and a better trainer to get results and the kettlebell really, it was a less is more approach. It wasn't trying to teach people to press right away. It was just trying to help them move well with simple movements like the goblet squat. Um, at that point in time, I wasn't even teaching the get up. Um, it was really the squat, the swing and the deadlift and what can we do with those and using all the other tools that I had available in mm -hmm. all three of those training settings. Um, that's where it started. All right, and so that became, what was the official name? Oh, so then being influenced by Dan John, who's another whole part of this story, he had uh, his Coyote Point Kettlebell Club. I felt like Worcester needed a kettlebell club, so I decided to lease some space and called it Worcester Kettlebell Club, and that's where it all started. Yeah, and then since then, since it's changed, changed a little bit. <laughs> yep, so we, 
In talking with some of our members, we opened in March of 2015 and we moved to a larger space within the same building May of 2018. And with right before we made that move into this bigger space, in talking with some members, they had said that they were intimidated by the kettlebell and the name of the gym. And these were some of the, my favorite people that we had training in the gym. And I thought, wow, if we've been alienating those people and it took them a year or two to sign up or just to come in and take that risk, the name's not serving a purpose. It's yeah. um, too much of a niche. Yeah. So we can teach the skill using the tool as best as possible, but we can also let people know that we're here to train adults and help them move well and feel great, and that's when we change the name to Elevate Strength and Performance. Yeah, the name makes a difference, right? Huge it difference. Makes a huge, I mean, look, think about like, you know, what sounds nicer, cemetery or dead bodies are under here? Like, you know what I'm saying? So the name makes a difference. Now they serve the same purpose, right? It's the exact same purpose, but you know, the name, it's like the deadlift. Well, if we called it the health lift, probably more people would do it, but it's called the deadlift. Yeah. And yes, we know because you're moving a dead weight. So yeah, the name's important, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely important. And that was a really smart decision for you because again, you tend to, if it's, if what you do is in your name, you're tied to that whether you like it or not. So like people are going to be coming for kettlebells forever anyways now, but if they're doing, you know, if they're coming to Worcester Kettlebell Club, then there's going to be always a lot of kettlebells and it's tough to get away from that. So it's smart that you did that, uh, you know, at a certain point, because, you know, I'll be honest, I've been in the industry for 20 years. I have not seen too many kettlebell only gyms that have been successful year after year after year. They tend to pop up and, you know, get some traction and then, and then move on. And that's just the reality of it. So, um, so anyway, so now we've got this beautiful facility located in Worcester called Elevate. And it's, uh, it's a, it's an amazing facility. Evan has one of the nicest and cleanest facilities you've ever seen. And, uh, he does an amazing job, um, at Elevate. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him on the, the show tonight is so Evan's like one of those guys that like, you know, he's not the most present social media guy, but he's really good. And, 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 and honestly, some of the best coaches I know are too busy coaching and not doing social media. And I have a lot of friends that are doing that. And I admire that because don't take this the wrong way. You're a better coach than you portray on social media. And I like to think the same with myself. It's because I'm not a social media. I'm not an influencer. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I am a coach who's hopefully trying to influence like 15 people that want to listen to me. But you're kind of the same way. Like you're so busy with with your coaching and with running your gym and with your family and your kiddos that like you don't have endless time. So um, that's, that's absolutely a challenge. But I, I think, you know, we, we sort of talked about this earlier. One of the challenges that you sort of took on is you didn't do this at 22 years old, did you? No, you know, it's funny. I, I have told other people this story, but... When I met you at the Strong First Cert for the first time, you said, let's meet up and have coffee. And I remember sitting at a Starbucks and you said, I'm going to give you one piece of advice and it's not to start a family when you open the gym at the same time. <laughs> the first thing my wife and I decided to do after opening the gym was have our first kid and I was 40. So, um, yeah, I should have listened to your advice. But I, I don't regret it for one incident because I love my family so much and the gym's been an incredible source of satisfaction and I've made some amazing relationships along the way and we've become great friends since then. Um, but you definitely feel starting this at 
age 39, 40 that you're behind the eight ball and you've got to keep up with these young kids that are so smart right now coming out of school and there's so much information available that it's if you're not doing the work, you're just playing along. And yeah. for me, I've learned this from you and from others in that I'd rather be coaching than worrying about the social media. I still give myself a hard time that we're not as present enough on Instagram and Facebook and doing those things, but I'm not, and I've never won clients over on social media. It's all happened through referrals and from reviews and the quality work that we've done. So yeah, and 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 honestly, you know what you've done speaks for itself because I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that own gyms and. There are a lot of people out there that can keep a business afloat, but there aren't too many people out there that day in and day out are trying to make their gym a half a cent, a half a percent better every single day. And you're one of those guys that you're constantly trying to find ways to trim, you know, to sort of trim the fat and polish the chrome. And it's hard, especially when you get to a certain point where you feel like you've got a business model that's doing okay. And then you're trying to make changes, but you realize, well, it's, you know, sometimes it's easy to trim the fat, sometimes it's not because, look, not too many people go into this industry with a perfect business plan and knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, you know, even if you think you know what to do, wait, you know, because the surprises will absolutely come. Um, like a pandemic, right? Yeah, like a, like a global <laughs> pandemic. And, um, and you know, you, you had said earlier, kind of joking when I told you, hey, you know, don't, you know, open a gym and start a family. And, and, and I said that sort of tongue in cheek, but I also meant it because it's just hard to do it all. And yeah. with that being said, if you do want to open a facility, um, there will never be the perfect opportunity. Now, look, maybe you're in a situation where like someone just hands you a bunch of money and says, here, do this. Great. Fantastic. But that'll just get you started because you still need to know what you're doing. So, um, so yeah, so you started, you know, let's say you started at 40. Um, what was it about your previous sort of work that allowed you to become a better coach? Because look, you're going up against these 23 year olds, 22 year olds that maybe have a bachelor's degree in, in exercise phys or maybe a master's in strength and conditioning. And on paper, like they should be, they should be incredible. And then on paper, you shouldn't be, nor should I because I don't have a degree in this. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what do you think it was about your experience and your your skill set going into that that made it different than being a 22-year-old, 23-year-old green kid with a fresh degree. When I was working that job manufacturing while also coaching or training people at three other gyms, my head, I had headphones on and I was listening to podcasts. At that point in time, that's when I discovered the Strength Coach podcast. Um, I was listening to the Fitcast. I was listening to everything I could that would educate me on training and taking notes. Yep. So I had a notebook and my boss at the time, the owner of the company, knew what I was doing. He, he knew I had a plan of phasing myself out. But I had my headphones in and I was working. I was getting the work done that I needed to at the job. I was taking notes and planning. Yeah. And I was reading books that were being recommended on all those podcasts. So it was that was like university 2.0 for me beyond my normal college degree. And so it was a matter of taking what I was learning and applying it to the people I was working with. And then also looking at my past careers where I learned more how not to do things, how not to treat people, how not to run a business that helped me. It's we are wisest when we learn how from other people's mistakes. 100%. Right? So 
the opportunity to learn from others' mistakes and know that this is not the direction I want to go in, that there's a better way of doing things better, in air quotes, um, was part of the reason why I think I was able to create a foundation in the gym and make it grow and still be around so many years later. How much pressure did you put on yourself to succeed knowing that you started a little bit started a little bit later in life, you were married, you had a wife? Did, I mean, did you feel like that put a lot more pressure on you to make sure that you succeeded and you, you did it? How many nights have you slept next to your wife with your eyes wide open thinking about how you can make your business better? Yes, all the time. Right? Yeah. I, I think there was five years of that. Yeah. Um, and there's still, I bet there's still, it's, it's still, right? Still I'm the same there. way, man. I'm the it's same way. It's still there. Um, then my wife just says, go in the other room, <laughs> which is usually great advice. You know, I mean, to the point where it's affected my health negatively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as we talked about earlier, when you care, it's hard. Yeah. And I had spent so much time leading up to this, investing in education and time and resources, and there was no turning back. Mm-hmm. I was in it. Yeah. And so it, at that point, there's always that comparison to others. I mean, I've been guilty of comparing myself to you, and you've got twice the, three times the amount of coaching years under you that I have to other younger people. And it's trying to avoid that, but also knowing that those people are right behind you or on your tail. And so you have to push yourself to be a little bit better every day. Um, I don't know if that answers the question entirely, but no, it, it definitely did not positively impact my health, but... I don't know if I would be where I am today had I not put that pressure on myself to be successful. Yeah, and look, I, I think um, I think in situations like that where you you're like there is no turning back. I think when you're when your back is against the wall, that's when you really learn to dig in. If you give yourself an out, a lot of people will take it, man. And look, there's been times where I was like, I just want to I want to burn this place down. Well, you know, and my wife is a teacher and. She had a job and supported me doing this. If I quit, what next? Yeah. She's been there for me the whole time, reinforcing that this is something I should go after. Yeah. And so to have your partner of life telling you go for it, that's your number one cheerleader. Nothing yeah. else matters. And then when you start a family, it's like, part of my language, oh shit, it's on. Like, I oh, yeah. have to make this work. Oh yeah, because you're, look, and if we're being brutally honest, like, if you're married, and you've each got a job and, and you know, you kind of live the life you want to live. Like being married is, it's hard when you care. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying marriage is easy, but I, I believe that being married is easier than being married with multiple kids. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I just feel like when you add the kids on top of that, it makes it that much harder. And, um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where you know that I'm no longer just responsible for myself. I'm responsible for others. And I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that's where we make the transition into like, I don't want to say, well, that's where we do make the transition into a, a man, into a husband or a man, into a father, right? It's, it's sort of this, wow, there's other things in this world be, besides me that matter, mm-hmm. like my spouse or my children. And, uh, and, and, and I think for you, knowing you well enough is you're going to be your toughest critic. You're going to you're going to beat the hell out of yourself way harder than anyone else ever will. And that's a good thing because no one can tell you something that you don't already think about yourself, mm-hmm. right? And and that's like that's like the thing being hard on yourself is not a bad thing. Being hard on yourself is a good thing. 
but you have to understand like why the purpose of being hard on yourself and and are you working towards your end goal it's kind of like i was actually talking to someone else about this and uh talking to one of my clients today about uh you know sort of knowing the really the true reality of it and we were talking about you know being hard on yourself and we were talking about uh the movie eight mile and eminem so he goes into these rap battles and what does he do he basically says all of the things he knows people are going to pick on him about and use that during their roast or their rap battle so he already but what does he do he says it all so they have nothing else to say and He's already covered his bases, so he's already done what he needs to do to make it to that next level. And it's very similar when you're hard on yourself, right? Like, same thing with my kids. Like, my my oldest son, he's very, very hard on himself. If he messes up, I don't have to say anything. Yep. I, I'm not going to be like, dude, you messed up. Because he's going to be harder on himself than I could ever be. So, like, he's taking the accountability. And, and I'm not saying we should always be hard on ourselves, but having being honest with yourself and, and look, saying, look, like I expect more out of myself. And, and honestly, I know that you feel this way too. We both could work a 10 or 12 hour day and kill it and be productive and go, I probably should work for another hour. And that's, that is, yep. that is, that is running a small business and running a gym in a nutshell is busting your ass for 10 to 14 hours and going, I should have done more. Yep. And it sucks and it's hard, but man, um, the, that mindset down the road when you can learn to manage things and balance things out, you can get a little bit better. Uh, but I'm going to be honest, that mindset's not going to change. But the way that you react to your situation is going to absolutely change. So, no, no, I admire the fact that you just like you just went for it. And it's kind of like, all right, we're diving in. You didn't dip your toe. You just kind of said, all right, I'm going. And, and sometimes that's the way to do it. Because if you give yourself an opportunity to turn back or an out, a lot of people will take it. And I actually think that's a, one of the main reasons why people during the pandemic lost their businesses and lost their gyms. And, and look, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you went out of business during the pandemic, you did a poor job. Please, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that is a lot of us out there, when it hit, had to do everything we can, had to scrape, had to get creative, had to do whatever we could to pay the bills. And that's just part of it. So the fact that you started a gym later in life and you made it through a pandemic and you've grown is, uh, is, is sort of pretty badass. So, so going back to your business, Evan, Elevate, if you could give me a one minute elevator speech, elevator, get oh, it? Yeah. Elevator speech on like, why, why should I train? At Elevate. And I'm totally putting him on the spot and he's totally smirking at me being like, you're such a dick. But that's fine. Um, why why should someone train at Elevate Strength and Performance in Worcester? Well, Mike, we'd like to teach them the skill of strength. Oh, wow. I like that. <laughs> um, you know, there's a... It's amazing that the misconception of training is just getting beaten to the ground so you're that sweaty mess on the floor and that you should like crawl out of the gym space. But... We wanted to teach people the skill. And then from the skill, I've always equated it to like, you are you don't have much skill, but if you want to lift heavy and move like an idiot, you're like driving down an icy back road in the woods and you're waiting for the wheels to go off the road and you're crashing. Yeah. And at our gym, we want people that play with the kids, that hike, that ski, snowboard, do cool things outside of the gym, to use the gym as an avenue to getting better at those things outside of the gym. Even if that makes them a better parent, because they have more confidence. So <clears throat> we want to help people develop the skill of moving well 
to getting stronger to feeling better and now it's like they're riding a car on a five lane highway where they're not middle lane and if they pick up something heavy and they don't do it with great technique they just went over a lane they didn't go off yeah. the road and get hurt 100%. so our gym is more about enriching lives by helping people build confidence and recognizing some of the cool things they can do outside of the gym more than it is what they're trying to do inside the gym so when we have the dad that's got a bad back and knees, but can go to Disneyland and walk six miles and sends a text message on vacation going, hey man, the gym's working. I just walked in flip-flops around Disneyland and my body feels amazing. That's the win. Yeah. And that's really what it's about. And, and you know what's interesting is it, we talk about sort of the wins and we talk about these great stories that we have from our clients. And you know what's crazy, man? Look, I, and I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of pro athletes, but I feel like the biggest impact that I've made on people's lives is not the pro athlete. It's the dad that can go up and down the stairs without pain anymore. It's the mom that can pick up her son or daughter without back pain. And like, because like when you're working with pro athletes, you're maybe going to, if they're, you know, somewhat successful, maybe you're making them into a millionaire from a millionaire to a multimillionaire. Right. Whereas, yeah, that's really good. Don't get me wrong. If, you know, someone wants to pay me millions of dollars to coach, I would do it. But, but when you look at like when you're changing the lives and you're impacting not only the lives of the, the, your clients, but you're also setting their kids up for success because when kids see their parents doing yes. things, they do it. And then it creates a nice, healthy cycle and a nice, healthy lifestyle. So yes, you initially think, oh, I'm just impacting the person that comes through the door. But I mean, how many times have you seen uh, like a, a wife start and then a husband comes in yep. or vice versa? And then their son or daughter comes in or their neighbor comes in and you know, you start with one person and if you just if you just love them, and when I say love them, I'm not saying you have to like be buddy buddy with them. But when I say when you love them, I'm saying you care about them, like you genuinely care about them and their well being, and you care about not only their what's happening in the weight room, but what's happening in their lives. That is where the magic happens. So if you pair good coaching and good caring, guess what? You've got an awesome recipe, and I feel like that's what you're doing at your spot. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be fair for me to not say that seeing you in action here with your crew and having the opportunity to come up and work with your kids program and seeing the gym like our gym is like a micro version of yours <laughs> and, and um, you know it, it is part of the apple not falling far from the tree and that when you surround yourself with people that hold themselves to a higher standard that really want to coach and not just train um, you just surround yourself with the right people and you're going to be successful in what you do because you get to learn from their mistakes. You get to learn from what's working and what's not working. Um, and I've been able to apply that from you and from other people who have been super influential to my career and my gym's not just the success because of the work I put into it. It's the people that have helped me for the last 10 years. hundred percent. And, and I think the big thing too is, is, you know, knowing sort of, you know, your roots and knowing where you came from and, and, and understanding that, look, we, we don't do this alone. It takes a village and it takes a tribe. And, and whether it's, you know, you know, friends, colleagues, combination of family members, it's, it's just hard. And it does, it truly takes, it takes a lot of people. And, uh, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a pretty rewarding, um, mm. industry and a, a pretty, pretty rewarding career. So, all right, we're going to fire a couple of questions at you. Um, if someone, if a brand new personal trainer is listening, what are three simple pieces of advice you would give them? The first one we, we have this as a core value in our gym, but practice patience. Like you're not going to know everything out of the gate. It's going to be a lifetime of work. 
Um, you and I talked about this and I was picking your brain about you're always trying to find something new to learn about. And so I feel like don't expect to know everything out of the gate. Learn from your mistakes. That would certainly be the first. Um, the second is I think it's more important and I heard this when I was first starting up and seeing this in gyms that you'll see a lot of gyms where it's about sales and not about the quality of training and care for the client. Mm -hmm. Put the care and quality into the client and the sales will follow. Mm -hmm. um, those are going to be clients for life. And yeah, that's the, yeah. Um, third, it never ends. You're always working. Um, I think that's, this industry doesn't pay great unless you're the elite of the elite and you have to love what you do and you're going to have those 10 to 14 hour days that you talked about earlier. And, um, I think people aren't prepared for that. I think that's why there's a high dropout rate after a year and a half or two years is that there's no easy path in this industry, especially if you hold yourself to a high standard. Yeah. And it's hard because, uh, it's a low barrier of entry. So Super. you can become a personal trainer with a master's degree. You can become a personal trainer um, with literally zero experience. So, and the hard part is how do we, as consumers, not us per se, but how do consumers differentiate good from bad when there's filters and abs and, you know, all this other stuff that you see on social media, it's entertainment, it's not real life. So that's, that's the tough one. Can I ask you, like, what would be your top three? Um, Advice for personal trainers. Yeah, um, like, yeah. I'll work everybody at first. Work harder, not smarter. Because you don't even know what working smarter is yet. <laughs> you don't sure. know. You don't know yeah. what you don't know. It's 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 like uh, the four stages in, in, in motor learning, right? Uh, unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know what you don't know, you better work. And you pl better work hard to catch up with people that know more than you. So you have to work harder before working smarter once you work harder for a certain amount of time then you'll learn how to work smarter and then the goal is to work harder and smarter at the same time and find balance so that's one thing i think two um, find a mentor find several mm. find a mentor in life and find a mentor in your career and they they could be the same individual or they could be the different two different individuals i'm very very fortunate to have two different mentors in my life and both of them are dear friends and uh i wouldn't have been able to be where I am without their help. Um, so I would say definitely find a mentor. And um, I think lastly, um, you if you truly wanna help people and change people's life and you love to, to be creative and you love to solve problems and you love to sort of dig deep and try to find the, the most optimal answers, coaching could be for you. Um, if, if that doesn't sound appealing to you, um, don't be a coach because we don't need more coaches that are in it to boost their egos and just only make money. I'm not saying that you should not make money as a coach, but if your only reason is to troll people and, and try to make as much money as possible, I have zero interest in following you and I have zero interest in supporting you, but I will support the people that are local that, you know, have been doing the right thing day in and day out. So that, that's what I would say. Um, you know, those things. And, and there's many more, of course. So, um, 
So yeah, so recently, in, within the last couple years, you've taken up a sport as well, haven't you? Yeah, we're gonna talk let's, about let's talk time. about let's talk about <laughs> jujitsu a little bit because I actually I honestly think there's a parallel with starting a business and starting jujitsu. So, um, yeah. So how long have you been training jujitsu? I started November of 2021. Okay, why? All right, I'm gonna open up here. I was talking to a therapist. Yeah. And she retired. It was definitely something I needed during the pandemic to help me kind of get through that, work through my own shit. Mm -hmm. And my, someone on my staff, this woman, Gail, had started to take up a couple more hours and a few other friends, including yourself, had all been encouraging me, like, if it's in your schedule, you should do it. And I had first tried jujitsu and Muay Thai back in 2009 and after about five months I cracked a rib and was like that's it I'm out and um, after a number of years later and a little bit of a push I jumped <laughs> back in and uh, let's talk about that like a 46 year old white belt walking into a gym full of or an academy full of 20 year old sharks um, well look you started <laughs> You started a basically a training career at forty, yep, um, and, and and changed careers and you know got to the point where you have a successful gym now and you uh, you know you started jujitsu later in life yep. too. So you're just you're just you know a little delay there. So same with kids, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. But what was it? What was the appealing part of of starting up again, knowing that? Because you know, like, because like when we talk about stuff, like I always try to be. I'm probably when it comes to like jujitsu and training and performance and like I'm, I try to be brutally honest with people and I'm like, yeah, it's going to suck for a while. And mm -hmm. I remember telling you that, but like, what was it? Why was it appealing to you? I think we talked about this, but I wanted to be coached. Yeah. And I wanted something different than training. Yeah. And to be able to put, be put into an environment like that, I think it was just the right time. It was, it's, it's served as my therapy ever since. Yeah. Um, you know, I joke it's a bunch of dudes getting choked out in robes. Mm -hmm. But it's... Yeah. The, now, now what I have is I'm part of a different community. Yeah. So I get to be a member of a different community where we hang out after class and talk about business and life and mm -hmm. how the kids are doing. And I get to see that from the perspective of what my members at my gym see. Mm -hmm. That's been awesome. Um, the skill development and trying to learn something new at an older age. There's times where my coach looks at me and I swear he wanted to say uh, last Thursday, like, I'm going to dumb this down for you for a second because he gave me those looks like, oh, you just don't get it. Yeah. And yeah, it's okay. I'm older. So um, it's just a challenge. I think that if I'm not being challenged in some way, there's got to be, there's something that's missing. And so I needed that physical challenge because when you're deadlifting or pressing and you've been doing this for so many years, how much better are you going to make your deadlift and your press? Like once yeah. it gets good, it's like you're grinding out certain adaptations and that's not where I want to go. I want to be healthy enough to move and strong enough to move well. And now I want to apply that to something else. So I built up that foundation to help reinforce this new hobby. Yeah, and it's it's a what what a great sport. And again, uh, you know the reason why, uh, you know obviously I've been I've been doing it for 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 a decent amount of time. But 
I love the fact that you go in and uh, it's it's kind of like we all step on the mats. Not all, because if you get like a you know a, a, a collegiate wrestler that comes in, but you know if you're starting at your age, you know you're in your 40s and you're you're, you're hopping on the mats and you're actually gonna you're gonna train and you're gonna be consistent. It is very hard on your body. Mm-hmm. It is very taxing and it's. It's one of those things where um, I think men like to think, and this is me, so I'm not going to speak for you, but men like to think we know what we're doing and we're tough and we can handle ourselves. Um, until, you get- until you go and you know and you work with someone that truly knows how to handle themselves and you go, oh my gosh, I'm glad I didn't get in too many fights because I would have gotten murdered. But also those other people that I probably would have gotten in an argument or a fight with did the same thing. So for me... It was, uh, for me, it was kind of one of those things, you know, I grew up in whatever, you get in a couple, you know, tips here and there, nothing crazy. But for me, it was just like, like, I really want to know that if I had to protect my family that I could. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go like start looking for situations, but, um, it's just made me think about things a little bit differently. And, and, uh, it's actually made me a lot more patient, believe it or not. You know, I can relate to that entirely. You know, I, in Massachusetts, we are known for our driving and it's easy to get upset. I've noticed that when I drive and someone does something, I don't even react anymore Yeah. because it doesn't matter. Yeah. But having someone try and break your joints, <laughs> yeah. you, you better know when to stop. And yeah. so why get worked up over something that doesn't matter? Um, yeah. it's, taught me patience in other ways that I didn't have that whole skill set. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's the ultimate ego check. It, it is, is the man. ultimate ego check. Yeah. The, you, you learn to not, the first time you resist tapping an arm bar and then your elbow hurts for three months <laughs> after. Yep. It's the last time you do that. Especially when you're older, you realize there's no, yeah, there's no game that's gonna work out for me if I play it like this. So no. you have to be for me. I have to be smart by my age, and um, you know my training is reinforcing that. And you know slowly but surely, I think by the age sixty is the goal. To see where I'm at. So this is gonna sound kind of weird. People are gonna be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I actually think that starting jujitsu a little bit later in life if you're a decently athletic guy is not a bad thing because i think what it does is it it kind of scratches the itch of being that physical like wanting to scrap a little bit but also you get the reminder the next day of going yeah i probably could have done one less round (laughs) and you get the reminder of like hey like if i want to keep doing this i can't train hard and with strength only i need like if i want to play i literally if i want to train jujitsu for the long haul and become a black belt and, and hopefully, you know, train for the rest of your life. Um, you can't muscle your way through that at a certain point. Like that's the hard thing. When I started eight years ago, I was a 35 year old guy that was really strong. I didn't know a damn thing about jujitsu and I could use my strength until I got tired (laughs) and then I had nothing. So for me, it was like, how do I blend my, my physical qualities with the fact that, when I first started, I didn't have any technical qualities. So for me, it was, it was actually the idea of working harder and then working smarter, right? I was strong. I was athletic. Mm-hmm. I could work really hard, but I wasn't working smart. Eventually, I had to learn how to work smarter, right? And then you can kind of put them both together. But, um, but it's such a great sport, and, and I'm so glad you're doing it because, uh, 
You know, it's it takes a different individual. Um, you know, I always kind of joke and, and I say like, if you train jujitsu consistently, you're so different than most people. Cause like a lot of guys will go out on the weekends and you know, they'll, they'll do whatever, have a, like a guy's weekend, they'll play golf and they'll do whatever. And, and again, nothing wrong with that. I've done that as well. But like, it's just interesting when you're like, call up a buddy and be like, hey, you want to drill? Mm-hmm. Like basically you're saying, would you like to meet up somewhere and practice choking each other mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to lock their joints and break their arms and break their legs. And it's kind of like, yeah, like that's not a normal thing you ask people. You know what I'm saying? It's like not most 40, you know, people in their 40s are like, hey, you want to like how many people your age would be like, hey, you want to do a snatch test, right? Like no <laughs> one's doing that. Like, hey, do you want to try to, you know, choke each other out? But it's just different. But but I think what it does is it it when you've been in it long enough. Um, you start to realize that regardless of your background, regardless of your schooling, when you get on the mats, it doesn't matter. The, the great equalizer is the tatami, right? It's the great, it's, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, anything. It just matters if you can train. And, and I've seen more, um, you know, I don't want to say more philosophical advice on the mats than I have sort of elsewhere, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good things that happen, especially if you're a really good professor. Uh, my professor, Gustavo, is fantastic. And a lot of the stuff that he talks about is not just about jujitsu. Mm-hmm. It's about life and it's about being a good individual. So that's the beauty of it, too, is right. You just you get to learn a lot. And, um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I respect anybody that gets on the mats because it is hard. And especially when you get your ass kicked a lot and a lot and a lot. Don't you feel like I, I still get that sensation every class where I walk out of there going, man, that was tough. Oh, yeah. But I'm a better person. And I start to have this like epiphany of life and yeah. my family and my purpose. And it's something I don't I, that's probably what's kept me going back. Yeah. Is it's yes, I'm going to learn. It's going to be a struggle when I'm in, in the class. But when I get in my car and drive away and I reflect on what did I learn today? Yeah. I start thinking about other things that are greater than that. It's yeah. just like, how did it make me a better person? Yeah. Like, if you can struggle like that, I, I, you know, there's nothing in my day or week that's harder than that jujitsu class. Yeah. And uh, if I can survive that, it doesn't matter what happens in my business. It doesn't matter what happens in my personal life. That struggle set the tone for what hard is for the week and yeah. everything else I should be able to take care of. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is. It, it, what, it also, like you said, so it gives you a little bit of a sounding board and it allows you to compare. Like, like what's hard and what's, mm. what maybe feels hard but isn't really hard. You know what I'm saying? And I think it obvi- obviously it's dependent on the situation, but you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, again, you say you, you train at the beginning of the week, you have that really, really hard session. You know, you get your butt kicked in and out and it's like well if you have to stay up better for an extra 15 minutes to finish like a newsletter it's not too too bad right yep. so you're right it does it, it 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 definitely gives you some feedback on like what's really hard and what sort of is not especially from a physical standpoint because um, it is physically hard but it's also mentally hard because um there's a there's a mental sort of juggling that happens you know one day you'll leave and you'll be like i love this this is awesome i'm getting it and the next day you'll go I don't know what I'm doing and I want to turn everything in, right? And that's basically how it works, right? Some days you're like, I think I'm getting it. And other days you're like, I'm an idiot and I don't know what's happening. That's pretty much what jujitsu is like. And then, you know, hopefully down the road, there's more of the, I know what I'm doing. And I think it's the same in business. It is. It is. It is the same in business. But I think, I think really the sort of the overlying or the underlying theme rather is just, is, is constant improvement, right? Kazen, right? It's the idea of constantly trying to just get a little bit better. 
And I think if you do that in every aspect of your life, with, with your career, with your health, with, you know, being, uh, you know, with your loved ones, with your kids, whatever, just trying to be a little bit better every day. I'm not saying you're going to, you know, you're going to just get amazingly better overnight, but it, it, it's kind of like, you know, walking by that piggy bank and dropping a quarter in, right? If you just, if you just keep on doing that, eventually it's going to add up. Mm-hmm. But when you're dropping the quarter and you don't think, well, what's in there? You just, I'm just, it becomes a habit. But then two years down the road, you look at it and you go, wow, like all those quarters I dropped in is actually amounting to something. And, and I think that's the way that um, skill works is just, you just got to be consistent. You just got to keep the gas pedal down and sort of ride the trend. Cause we've all seen that sort of meme. It's like what we think success looks oh, like. Yeah. And it's just, you know, 45 degree, perfectly straight line. And then the other one is like what it really looks like. And it's, it's like a two year old gotten, you know, got a dry erase marker and just started writing squiggles everywhere. So, um, but you know, I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to hard work and, and discipline and just doing what it takes to get the job done. And, uh, you know, that's what I admire about you. Just, you just, you've dug in and, and you've done a fantastic job. And, and Evan's one of those guys that he's, he's not going to say much about his skill set, but he's probably one of the best kettlebell coaches I've seen, and he does a fantastic job. And uh, if you are looking for a gym in the Worcester area, uh, Elevate Strength and Performance is going to be uh, one of your best bets. Um, you know, he cares. And, and that's one thing that I can say is not only do they have a good product, but they care, and I think that's going to be the game changer for them. So, Evan, thank you so much. Is there anything, any, where, where can we learn more about your gym? And I know you don't do a ton of social media because yeah. we just talked about that, but let's talk about your gym and let's talk about social media and uh, where people can learn a little bit more about what you're doing out there in Worcester. Sure. So the best place to find us is the website. It's elevatestrengthperformance.com. Thank you for letting me share this. Yeah. Um, we are on Instagram at Elevate Strength Performance. Uh, pretty simple there. And uh, I have an Instagram account. Um, I think it's Evan L. Mark Antonio. Maybe, yeah. yeah I, don't maybe. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. So, guys, uh, look Evan up. Like I said, if you are looking to you know hone in your, your kettlebell skills, this guy's one of the best out there. And uh, he can definitely help you out. So, uh Thank you guys for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do us a huge favor and please give us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to. Also, if you have friends, colleagues, or loved ones that you find that may be interested in this, please do us a favor and share this with them. Well, that's been it, Evan. It's good to have you. And this has been the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.